Good morning. It's a joy to be able to welcome you to our services on this Lord's Day. We are so happy that you're here. It's a beautiful day now. The sun is shining. We've had a lot of rain, but it's always good when we're able to assemble to worship God as we are today and to encourage one another and to be together. And we are honored that you're here today, especially if uh, you're visiting with us. I know we have several out of town uh, on the holiday visiting uh, with their uh, friends and family, and we've got people visiting here, and we are grateful that you've chosen to be here today, and we hope that you'll want to come back and worship with us anytime that you can. Had a good meeting with the folks over in Fulton, Mississippi. I really can't believe that's the sixth time I've been back with them for a gospel meeting, which indicates my age a little bit is showing. I know I've gone back over there through the years and married several of the young people, and now they're growing and having kids that are teenage years now, and so time just seemingly gets away. But there's no place like here, and uh, this is the place where uh, I love to be, and I'm glad to be back home. I know Brian mentioned a couple of families that are going to be moving. We've got a couple of more that are going to be moving in the next few weeks uh, out of state, and you know, we miss these folks. These folks are here, and they become a part of our church family, and then circumstances many times beyond their control, and certainly our control, don't permit them to stay with us. I know Justin and Alyssa Key and little Naomi uh, are going to be moving to Georgia. She is going to take a new teaching job over there, and uh, there's another family that will be moving later on, and, and we certainly... Uh, Miss the Mays, and we'll miss the Keys, and of course Donna Jackson and the Wrights, and others that we have mentioned. And we want to always remember that we are family, no matter where we are. And uh, we will certainly miss them and wish them well uh, when they leave us. And we look forward and anticipate uh, their coming back to us uh, from time to time. You know, we need to realize today if there were ever any people that God can use effectively in his service. It's people like all of you who are here this morning. But sometimes I'm afraid we have the mindset that says that there's not a whole lot that I can do in the Lord's kingdom. I just really can't be effective in working for Jehovah God. I've never really been able to understand why it is that we who have been born into the family of God, we who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, a member of the church that shall stand forever, it's hard for me to understand sometimes why we often feel like that there's just not much we can do for the Lord. And I realize we do fall short. I understand that we sin, we transgress God's law. The Bible says in Isaiah 64 and verse 6 that we are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousness is as filthy rags. We know that there's none righteous, no, not one, Romans 3 and verse 9. We understand that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3 and verse 23. 
The Bible emphasizes the fact that all are under sin, Romans 3 and verse 9. And we need to understand that every individual in the world today are individuals that are subject to sin. We're subject to shortcomings. We fall short in many, many ways. But we need to realize that even though we do sin, even though we do fall short many times of what God would have us to be and to do, we ought never to allow those facts to convince us that we're not able to do great things for God, that we cannot be useful in the Lord's kingdom. We need to understand the only people that God has to accomplish his work in this world are individuals that sin, individuals that fall short. Sinless perfection is not a requirement for God using us today. And I personally am very thankful for that. And yet every one of us today need to be challenged. We need to understand that there's work for us all to do in the kingdom of God. There's work that every one of us, young and old, can do to build the kingdom up and to make it what God would have it to be. And yet sometimes we just feel like we can't be very useful in the Lord's service. We may reason or think, well, you know, I don't have a good personality. I just have a hard time going out and talking to people, and I just don't think I can do much for the Lord. Someone may say, well, you know, I can't speak very well. I have a hard time uh, going out here and talking to other individuals. Somebody else may say, well, you know, I didn't go to school a whole lot. I don't have a, a very good education, and so I really don't think there's a whole lot I could really do for the Lord because of that. Somebody else may say, well, you know, I'm just a little bit afraid. I'm afraid I'm going to say the wrong thing. I'm afraid that I might do the wrong thing. And I'm really just afraid to do anything at all. Somebody else may say, well, you know, I've had such a bad temper. I don't think anybody would listen to anything I've got to say about the Lord. And then somebody else might say, well, you know, I've walked down these aisles so many times. I've had to make my life right so many times. It just seems like I've messed up so much that nobody really could have any confidence in what I might could do for the Lord. Somebody else may truthfully say, I'll just be honest. I'm a little bit embarrassed. I'm just a little bit ashamed to talk to somebody else about their soul. And maybe sometimes there are those that feel that way. Sometimes we may be just a, a little bit apprehensive because we're somewhat embarrassed. Others may say, well, you know, I'm just too old. 
I've lived my life. There's really nothing else I can do for the Lord. It's time for the younger generation to take over and they can continue the work. And I've done just about everything that I can do for the Lord. I'm old now and I think my time is up. Others may say, well, you know, I just feel so unworthy. I just don't feel worthy to be able to do the Lord's work. Now, the Bible tells us in Genesis 1 verse 27 that God created man in his own image. It says about Jesus in John 2 and verse 25 that he needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. Folks, God up in heaven knows what we are. He knows all of our weaknesses, all of our sins, all of our shortcomings. The Lord is aware of all that. We just have to come to realize that being sinlessly perfect is not a requirement for being very effective in carrying out the work of the Lord. Now, what I want us to do today and tonight for our encouragement is I want us to go back to the Bible. And as we go back into God's Word, I want us to notice the kind of individuals that God used very effectively, that God caused to to be great individuals in spite of the fact that they sinned and they had many weaknesses. I just believe it's a tremendous source of strength, I think it will encourage us individually as well as a church to march forward as we never have before in the Lord's work to see that God can and will effectively use us. First of all this morning, I want you to think with me about the man Moses. Someone says, well, you know, Moses was the greatest man, perhaps, or one of the greatest men in all the Bible. He was a great leader. He led an entire nation out of Egyptian bondage. There is no way I could ever even approach being like Moses. But, brethren, I wonder if we ever really stop and take the time and think about the kind of man Moses was before he became that great leader. There Moses was in the very presence of God in Exodus 3 and verse 10. And God said, Moses, I'm going to send you down to Pharaoh. I want you to bring forth my people out of the land of Egypt. And you'll recall that Moses made one excuse after another. Moses said, who am I that I should go? Who am I that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of the land of bondage? He said, they won't hear me. Lord, of all the people on the face of this earth, why are you sending me? He said, behold, they won't believe me. They won't hearken to my voice, Exodus 4 and verse 1. They will say, the Lord has not appeared unto you. 
In verse 10, Moses said, Lord, I'm not eloquent. I'm of a slow speech and of a slow tongue. And finally, Moses said, Lord, please just send somebody else. I can't do it, Lord. I want you to send somebody else, anybody else but me. And in verse 14 of Exodus chapter 4, the Bible says, The anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. God finally became so disgusted because all Moses was doing was offering one excuse after another as to why he could not do what God wanted him to do. Now, if God could take a man like Moses, who in response to God's direct command said, I cannot do it for this reason and that reason. If God could say, if Moses could say to God, there's simply no way that I can do what you want me to do. And if God could make him such a very powerful and effective leader, certainly God could use any one of us. You'll recall when God called Moses to go down to Egypt and lead those people out of bondage, he was already 80 years old. He's an 80-year-old man. You know, Moses lived after the flood. Now, before the flood, we know that some folks would live to be several hundred years old. But Moses is already an old man. And I think this point needs to be driven home. If God up in heaven could take this 80-year-old man who offered one excuse after another as to why he couldn't do what God told him to do, then don't you think that God can also use us? And then I think about a man that we associate with greatness in the Old Testament, a man by the name of Elijah. There's just something about the name of Elijah that causes all of us to be filled with respect because we know what kind of of great servant and prophet that Elijah was. Over in 1 Kings chapter 18, we find that there was Elijah who lived back in the days of that wicked and ungodly king Ahab. Here was a man, a king, that did so much to cause Israel harm. And Elijah had prayed that it not rain upon the earth. And it hadn't rained upon the earth for three years. Can you imagine that? Sometimes, you know, these uh, weathermen will tell us that, you know, we're under drought conditions. We sometimes hear on the news about California and states out west, how they're experiencing severe drought. Can you imagine not seeing rain for three years? whole years and let me tell you Ahab was some kind of mad at Elijah really out seeking his life and we know the story there how Elijah summoned those 450 prophets of Baal to meet on Mount Carmel and there was going to be a contest there Each was going to build an altar to make a long story short. And the God that answered by fire would be the true God. And of course, we know that 
Elijah stood single-handedly and defied those 450 prophets of Baal. Elijah said, let the God that is God be the one that answers by fire. And we know how that Elijah would taunt those prophets of Baal. You know, maybe your God is sleeping. You need to shout louder and wake him up. Or, or maybe your God's out of town. Maybe he's on vacation. And, and those prophets of Baal became so intense and in trying to get their God to answer that they cut themselves with lances. And they just carried on and on and on. But finally, when Elijah's turn came and God answered by fire and consumed the altar and all the water around the altar, everybody there knew that God was God. And on that day, Elijah was the champion of Israel. There was nobody in the world that stood higher than Elijah. Elijah seemingly was not afraid of anybody. He stood there fearlessly before the flaming altar of God. He almost annihilated one sect of idolatry. He led an entire nation to repentance. Folks, I want to suggest to you today that Elijah was an individual that was subject to human weaknesses and feelings just like we are. Because you turn over in your Bibles one page to 1 Kings chapter 19, the very next chapter, the very next day, Elijah heard that Ahab's wife was out to kill him for what he had done to those 450 prophets of Baal. She sent word to Elijah and she said, by this time tomorrow... You're going to be like those prophets of Baal. I don't know how that would make you feel to receive that kind of information from somebody in authority threatening your life. By this time tomorrow, you'll be a dead man. But for me personally, that would be very unsettling. You know, anybody that makes a death threat to you, it's kind of upsetting, right? You're not really anxious to eat your lunch anymore, are you? You know, it's very worrisome. And Jezebel, the most powerful woman here in the kingdom, says, you could rest assured, Elijah, but this time tomorrow, you're going to be a dead man. And the Bible says that Elijah went for his life. Verse 4 says he went into a, went a day's journey into the wilderness and he sat down and he asked for himself that he might die. He said, God, in verse 14, Israel has forsaken your covenant. They've thrown down your altars. They've slain your prophets with the sword. And, and God, I am the only one left. And now they seek my life. God, I'm the only one left that's trying to do right, and now they're trying to kill me. Now, let me ask you, how, how depressed, how despondent can an individual possibly get? 
Here's a man literally running for his life after achieving such a a great victory a couple of days before. He's so discouraged now. He says, God, please take away my life. And, you know, you might say today, well, I believe I can sympathize a little bit with Elijah. That seems to be a problem of mine in the past. So many times, there's just those things that discourage me. There's those things that kind of get me down in the dumps. I become blue, even depressed. And sometimes we may feel like there's really not any reason to go on. Why even try to work for the Lord? It doesn't get you anywhere, does it? Everything I try to do, it just doesn't work out. We become discouraged and depressed. And maybe we say, well, I just believe I'm going to quit. I'm going to give up. But brethren, it doesn't matter how many feelings like that you may have had in the past. God can still use you effectively. You can still turn things around. Why? Because God said, Elijah, I want you to get up from there. I've got some things that I still want you to do for me. And God told Elijah three different things to go out and do. And we know that Elijah went on and became that great and faithful prophet of God. Now, folks, if it be the case that We're feeling discouraged, in despair, despondent, maybe even depressed. Maybe we need to stop and just look around at all the wonderful things that God has done for us. And maybe we need to understand and look at how God blesses us. And we need to get up and stop feeling sorry for ourselves And just go out here and begin to do the work that God wants us to do. You see, if God could take a man like Elijah, who became so discouraged that he asked God to take away his life, then certainly God can use you and me in his service. But you know, the thing that really amazes me about all this The thing that really impresses me about all this is that centuries later, when God sent his own son, Jesus, as the promised lamb of God to take away the sins of the world, to die on the cross for you and for me, we turn over to Matthew chapter 17 and we read there about how our Lord was transfigured upon that mountain. And while our Lord was there, there appeared two individuals to encourage and to strengthen our Lord during this ordeal when he would suffer excruciating pain on the cross and bear the sins of the world on his shoulders. And guess who those two individuals were? It was none other than Moses and Elijah. Now, of all the people in the world, why would God send these two individuals 
to encourage and to strengthen his son. Here our Lord is just about to die that awful death on the cross. And and these two individuals are sent to encourage him and strengthen him. Now, folks, I think we need to understand if, if God could take an 80-year-old man who offered one excuse after another, and if God could take Elijah, a man that became so discouraged that he wanted to die, and if God could use these two individuals to strengthen his son there on the Mount of Transfiguration, Don't you think there's hope for all of us? You see, every individual that God has ever used in his service were those individuals that were subject to human weakness, subject to the frailties of human life. If God could use Moses and Elijah as he did in such an effective way, I believe he can use every one of us. And then this morning, I I think about the man Amos. I love what Amos said over in Amos chapter 7, beginning in verse 14. Amos said, I was no prophet, neither was I a prophet's son. But I was just a herdsman and a gatherer of sycamore fruit. But the Lord took me. As I followed the flock, and the Lord said to me, Go prophesy unto my people Israel. Now, brother, I think sometimes maybe we have the mindset that because of my occupation in life, maybe because of what I do in life, I'm just a little bit embarrassed about that because of what I do, because of maybe what my family does. I just don't think people would really respect me. I don't think there's a whole lot that I could accomplish for the Lord because of what I do in life. But Amos said, I was not a prophet. I was not even the son of a prophet. I was just a herdsman, a gatherer of sycamore fruit. But the Lord took me and used me. Brethren, you could not get more down to earth. You could not possibly have a more humble beginning, a more humble livelihood than that which Amos had. He was not a prophet. He wasn't even a prophet's son. And yet... He brought forth the message of God to a sinful people. Now, I want you to listen very carefully this morning. It doesn't matter how ordinary you may think you are. You know, I hear a lot of times the high ACT scores these kids are making now. That that just blows my mind. I mean... Two of my tests combined don't even total the scores of some of these kids' scores today. You know, where did my ingenuity go? Why couldn't I get some of that? You know, and maybe we think, you know, I'm just an ordinary individual. Just a plain, ordinary person. I just don't know if there's a lot I can really do for the Lord. 
But folks, we need to realize that God can take an ordinary individual, an individual that doesn't have a lot of special talents, and God can take that individual, and God can use that individual in a very powerful way in his kingdom if we will let him use us. He is the potter. We are the clay. But then quickly as I close today, I want us to think about that man, David. You know, David is an individual in the Old Testament that really inspires me. David is an individual whose life I love to read about. God, it seems, could always effectively used David. Now, why was that the case? Well, David was the kind of individual that when he recognized his sin, when he recognized his shortcomings and mistakes, David was always the kind of individual that would humble himself, he would repent, and he would come back to the Lord. Now, the Bible describes David as a man after God's own heart. He is the sweet psalmist of Israel. Now, why could God use David so effectively? Was it because he was almost perfect? Was it because David was the kind of individual that never did anything wrong? Brethren, I don't know of an individual in all the Bible who did more to deliberately violate the law of God than did David. David sinned, he fell short in so many ways. It seems like one minute David would be very close to God, and then he would turn right around and commit some awful sin that not only affected him, but it affected and impacted an entire nation. David could be guilty of adultery, And then he could turn right around on top of that and commit murder to try to cover it up. And yet God could use a man like David who was guilty of sin because David, when he did sin, he was not going to remain in sin. He was willing to acknowledge his sin. He was willing to repent And then become, again, a faithful and effective tool in the service of God. Now, you may say today, man, I've done some bad things in my life. I've done some things that I'm not really proud of. I've really sinned. I've fallen short in so many ways. But if God could take a man like David a man of weakness, a man of sin, a man that transgressed God's law in so many ways. And if God could use him as he did, and yet he's still described as a man after God's own heart in Acts chapter 13, if God could use David in such an effective and powerful way, then certainly God can use you and God can use me. See, God can use all of us if we are willing to allow him to use us. 
Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If you're willing, you're able. God will be with you. You can be a powerful force for good in the Lord's kingdom, regardless of your background, regardless of your past, regardless of the talent that you may have, no matter where you are right now in life, if you're willing to give your life to the Lord, if you're willing to turn your life over to him, he can use you in a very powerful way. Maybe you're not a Christian today. Maybe you're outside of Christ. You know, God wants you to be saved. God wants you to become his child. And you can do that by simple trusting faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. But in that faith, you need to be willing to repent. That's what David did. He changed his life. He came back to the Lord. And then today we must be willing to acknowledge with our mouths that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, Romans 10, 9 and 10. And then we must be baptized into Jesus Christ, buried with the Lord in baptism, Romans 6, 3 and 4, where his blood was shed. And it's in that act of baptism that all of our sins are washed away. By doing that, we become a member of God's family. We become a member of the Lord's church by virtue of the fact that he adds us to that glorious body. Acts 2 and 47. This morning, the invitation is yours. If you're subject to it, we ask that you come now while we stand and sing.